When you walked in this morning, you were given a bulletin. And at the very top of our bulletin, right after the date, there is our vision, life in Christ for every Alaskan and the world beyond. Life in Christ for every Alaskan and the world beyond. And I was telling, you know, I, I was telling the, the team this morning, prior to you all arriving, um, life in Christ for every Alaskan and the world beyond. I actually, when I got up yesterday morning and saw that snow falling out of the sky, I was more interested in the world beyond than I was for life in Christ for every Alaskan. But it's interesting, our, our vision. What does this mean? What does it mean to, to enjoy life in Christ? What does it mean, life in Christ for, for every Alaskan in the world beyond? How do we enjoy God's presence? Well, my aim over the next few weeks as you join me at the coffee table here is is to describe for you what that life looks like in ways that you can describe it by using simple diagrams that you can draw out on a, on a bar napkin or a similar size sheet of paper. We call this series the Bar Napkin Gospel, the simple gospel, hopefully in the simplest form. When we began our series two weeks ago, we began with the message of salvation. Took you back to the book of Genesis and what happened at the fall of man. And, uh, and why we found ourselves in need of a Savior. I explained, explained to you how God provided that Savior in the form of Jesus Christ and the person of Jesus Christ. And then we talked about or ended up there talking about what it means to really begin this new life in Christ. Then last week I talked to you about the priorities of that life. I, I mentioned to you uh, the priorities that govern Jesus' life. The three priorities that govern Jesus' life were, were very relational. Um, if you revisit with me what we discussed last week, there, was a, there were three dimensions to Jesus' life. I said there were like three sides of an equal lateral triangle. Jesus loved the presence, and he loved practice, and he loved purpose. Jesus loved being in the presence of his Father, he loved practicing growing relationship and, and learning what that relationship of love and trust and, and, and purpose looked like. Uh, relationships that would be rich and thick with purpose. Covenant relationship based on the promise that God has given us as his covenant children. But his life was also very thick with purpose. And that purpose carried out was carried out in his life far beyond his life. It, it was a mission more important than life itself, a mission that Jesus actually devoted his entire life to. It was a mission that, that, that gave him reason to live differently than the rest of the world, to live sacrificially. That mission that Jesus was on was the mission to uphold kingdom responsibilities. So in the life of Jesus, we have both covenant relationship and kingdom responsibilities. And these were the passions that motivated Jesus and that governed his life. And this is the life that Jesus has invited us into. This is the life that he wants us to live, a life that's thick in relationship and, and rich with purpose, a life that's fulfilling and completely satisfying as long as we are drawing our life from him. 
Now, for some of you, maybe like me, you, you, you grew up in, uh, in, in maybe a denomination that you, it's kind of hard for you to, to get your arms around the thought that God wants us to enjoy a life that's fully satisfying. And that concept might be strange or foreign to you. Maybe you grew up with a different view of God. Maybe you grew up with the view of a, of a God that's controlling or, or distant. Maybe you grew up with the view of, of a God that's demanding or, or vengeful. But that's not the picture that the scripture paints for us. That's not the picture painted for us by the gospel. Remember, the gospel, family, is, is, is the good news. It's an invitation to the abundant life that God wants us to enjoy. A life that challenges us to to draw closer to him and to draw our life from him. To draw and center our life around uh, around God-centeredness and and God-purpose, if you will. That God becomes the center of all that we do. And so the challenge for us is not to draw our life from anything else. Not to draw our life from the world around us or from the things that promise life but ultimately cannot fulfill or cannot deliver an abundant life for us. See, when all is said and done, family, from the very beginning, God designed us. He created us to enjoy and to draw our life from him. So, For the next three weeks, I want to get real practical with you about how to do that. And so today, we start with what that looks like as we talk about the presence of God and God's presence. And today, just like last week, family, I want to begin with a question. How do we actually go about enjoying the presence of God? How do we do that? Well, to open that up and understand that, I think we need to go to Scripture and see what what Jesus has to say about that from the teachings of Jesus given to us by John. John 15. Hold that slide right there, Nate. How many of you brought your Bibles with you? That's it? How many brought your Bibles? Let me see. Okay, that's better. Listen, bring your Bibles with you all the time when you come to church. Matter of fact, How many of you know that we're soldiers in the army of the Lord? How many soldiers do you know go to battle without their sword? Hmm? Well, I mean, of course, now we live in a different day now. You know, we got guns and nukes and all that stuff. But but the point is, the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, is the only weapon we need. We need to practice not only carrying it, but, but getting into it every day. Okay, so bring your Bibles with you. Now you can put your, the passage up on the screen if you would. Nay, John 15, we hear the teaching of Jesus to his disciples, and he says this, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does not bear fruit, or that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. 
I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Jesus here paints a picture for us using an agricultural metaphor. Jesus says this. He says, I am the true vine. I am the true vine. Everybody say true vine. Jesus says, I am the true vine, which is an indication that there are some false vines out there. All right? And so the indication here is that true life only comes from Jesus. It comes from me. That's what he's saying here. And then he says, we are the branches. We are connected to the vine. We are in the vine. And so our life comes from the vine. And it's from our connection to the vine that we find everything that we need, every nutrient, every resource, everything that provides life and health and strength and vitality is available to us through the vine. Jesus goes on to say that the Father is the vine dresser. Now, here's a very clear distinction here. I don't want you to miss this. He didn't say that that the Father is the vine owner. The Father is not Uh, paying someone to come in and tend the vine for him. Jesus says the father is the vine dresser. He cares for the vine. And he also cares for the branches. And he cares for the vine and the branches with one focus. And that that focus is, is, is the fruit. And so, If the branch is not bearing fruit for whatever reason, it captures the father's attention. And what he does is he first inspects the vine and inspects the branches to make sure that the branches are the branches connected to the vine. And if it's connected, but it's not producing, he cares for it. Now, there are some translations here um, that 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 say he lifts it up or or he takes it away or or he cuts it off. But the ESV here says that, that he carries it away. So it reminds me of the fact that the reality is if, if I'm at the end of the fruitfulness of my life, maybe, maybe I've run my race and I'm, I'm done and, and all the fruit has been born. I believe that that our Father carries us away to be in his presence forever. That's one way to look at it. But another way to look at it, which is more practical and probably more sound metaphorically speaking since Jesus is using an agricultural, uh, agricultural metaphor, is that this is where the vine dresser lifts up the vine. And he lifts up the branch to ensure that there's proper airflow that there's proper sunlight that gets not only to the vine, but to the branches and to the fruit. And sometimes what he'll do is he'll he'll tie a a, a branch that's a little weaker. uh, uh, He'll connect it to another branch that's a little stronger. Or he'll put a support underneath there so that the branch can, can be supported so it's not bearing all of the weight. In other words... What the vine dresser wants to do is he wants to give that branch every possible opportunity to bear fruit. Every possible opportunity. Now, if the the branch is bearing fruit, what the vine dresser does is he 
tenderly and seasonally prunes that branch, letting it rest and, and recover, giving it a season where it doesn't have to bear fruit, refocusing the resources of that branch uh, to, to another part of the vine and to other branches, caring for the branch so that eventually it can bear even more fruit. The fruit. The fruit is the, is the product of our lives. The fruit is what we carry or we bear what we bear as, as part of the branch or part of the vine, connected to the vine as the branch. And, and I believe what John is referencing here is the fruit of the Spirit that Paul speaks to in the book of Galatians. He says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. Fruit that each one of us want to result from our lives. Now, now I, I don't know anyone, and I, I don't know if you guys do either, I don't know anyone that doesn't want the fruit of the Spirit in their lives. I haven't encountered anyone that says, you know what, I think I'll get up today and I'll have a little less self-control. Think I'll get up today and I'll exhibit a little less patience. Think I'll be a little less kind today. Do you? No, we, we don't get that. Why? Because not only as followers of Christ, but, but I, I think even, even universally, there's this inherent desire in us to experience both giving and receiving the things that are good, the fruit that comes from that, to develop and to grow in the qualities that add substance to our life and make our lives meaningful and worthwhile. I believe that's the reason why there are so many self-help books around. And self-help books are so popular because the focus of self-help books are, are to, to show us how to draw all those good things from the inside of us. You know, helps us to develop the, the qualities that we need to take advantage of those things that are deep on the inside of us. It gives us the opportunity to pull those things out. But here's the problem with self-help books. We become responsible to produce the fruit of our lives. And so the focus really does become how to be more responsible to, to find and, and to develop the fruit of these qualities that are somewhere deep on the inside of us. But here's the truth, and this is what Jesus is saying. That's like trying to get the branch to change its nature, to be able to produce the fruit independent of the vine. As a matter of fact, Jesus says it this way. He says, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, it is he that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, you can't do jack. That's how I put it in my modern vernacular. A branch by itself separated from the vine is simply a stick. It's a lifeless stick, and sticks cannot bear fruit no matter how much they try. And Jesus tells us here in this passage, if you want to be more 
than a stick. You have to learn how to abide in me. You know that word abide, we, we studied it back when we did the study in 1 John. That word abide means abode. It means to, to take up residence. And so when Jesus says abide in me, what he's literally saying is, 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 is find your home in me. Let me be your connecting place. Let me be the, the place that you draw your energy, the place that you run to to pull your resources in times of need. Don't place your focus on what you believe to be your responsibility, the fruit. The fruit is not your responsibility. Take your eyes off the fruit and focus on an abiding relationship with me. When you do that, I'll work out the fruit in your life. I'll give you the fruit that I want you to bear, the fruit of my spirit. And, and that fruit will be on display in your life and evidence for all to see. Because I want people to see the fruit of my goodness as it flows through you to others. Hmm. So let me show you a simple way that we can think of this concept that Jesus is talking about here in John 15. I want to use a semicircle. Semicircle, semicircle, what do you say? All right, potato, potato. I say semicircle, semicircle. Two opposite sides is what we have. I want you to view the left side as the relationship side and the right side as the responsibility side. On the left, we have Jesus' invitation to abide in him. On the right side, we have the responsibility of living fruit-bearing lives. And Jesus says this, my father is glorified when you bear fruit in your lives. On the left side, we have an invitation to rest in Jesus and to find our refreshment in him. And then on the right side, we have the responsibility of work. Remember, the Bible teaches us that both faith and work are the responsibilities of, of the follower of Jesus Christ. As followers of Christ, we don't get to choose between faith and work. The Bible tells us faith without works is dead. Jesus fought real hard against the Pharisees, basically explaining to them that works without faith in him is legalism. So we need both. On the left side of the semicircle is about being the work of God. On the right side is about doing the work of God. The left side focuses on aligning ourselves with the purposes of God. It refers to, to us sharing the same passions that, that Jesus had when he was here. It's about living presently as citizens of his kingdom. The right side is about achieving. It's about achieving God's purposes. It's the passion that God wants us to live with as we devote our lives to him through the things that we do with him through obedience to his divine will. So now, what I want you to do is I want you to imagine that this, that, that this semicircle now is, is a representation of your life, and your life is as a, as a pendulum attached right to the middle of that semicircle between those two opposite sides. You know how a pendulum swings? A pendulum swings with the force of gravity. That's how it works. It swings with the force of gravity. 
It's a lot like a swing on a playground. How many of you played with a swing on a playground, been on a swing? Right? I'm going to tell you something. When I was growing up, I was the king of swings. Telling you the truth, man. I was the king of swings. You know, when, when, uh, when I was growing up on the playground, you know, it, at the elementary school, you had two sets of swings, right? You had the little kitty swings for the little kitties. You know, the ones that you had to put your feet in, you know, so you'd be safe. The little kitty swings. And then you had the, you had the junior high swings, man. The junior high swings had, had big, thick chain and it had that slick black seat. Y'all know what I'm talking about. The ones that if you swung too high, you could almost fall out of. You know, it had that, right? And, 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 and so my thing as a king of swing is I love to swing as high as I could, man. Listen, for a swing to work properly, you've got to build momentum. You got to build momentum in the swing. And once momentum is built, it, it swings. The swing acts really like a pendulum. And you'll, it'll swing to one side and it'll come back and it'll, it'll swing almost a commensurate amount to the other side. But for a swing to gain momentum, you have to exert energy, man. It takes, it takes effort. And if I keep pushing that swing, if I keep pressing that pendulum, if I keep building momentum, eventually I'll settle into a nice, smooth, easy, rhythmic swing. Now, once that happens, once I'm there, two things can happen, right? The first thing is this, I can stop pushing. And if I quit pushing forward in a certain direction, what will happen is, is the pull of gravity will eventually pull me right back down to the center and I'll stop. And at that point, the swing is dead. It's useless. The second thing that happens, I can push a little harder. That's what I used to do. I used to push a little harder to try to exceed the bar. You know what I mean by that, by exceeding the bar? When, when, when you're, you're pushing hard this way, and then you're pushing hard back, and then you're pushing hard again this way, and then you're pushing hard back. And the goal is for you to exceed the top of the bar so you can look down on the bar. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? Yeah, man. That's the joint when you do that. But here's what happens if, if you're not careful. As you start pressing towards pushing and exceeding the bar, you can experience what I call the, the drop and pop. It's where, that's, it's where you lose the tension in, in, the, in, the, in the, you know what I'm talking about. You lose tension in the chain, and you go up like this instead of swinging back down. You kind of like drop like this. And you remember, you have those, those black, slick, plastic chairs, those seats, man. They slide off and under you, so you're dangling like this until that bad boy comes back under you. You know what I'm saying? Right? But when that happens, you just kind of drop down and pow! And then you kind of, but you lose momentum. And then you got to keep swinging that thing. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Somebody say something! Yeah! Drop, pop, crash! If you're not careful. And for our lives to work, family, the way that they're designed to work, Life's pendulum for us has to swing both ways as well. It has to. We have to keep pressing the pendulum to one side. 
and then allowing it when it releases to swing back a commensurate amount in the opposite direction. And so the question that's raised from Jesus' teaching in John 15 is this, what direction are you pressing the pendulum? What direction are you pressing the pendulum? See, we can press into an abiding relationship with him, or we can press into the responsibilities of trying to bear fruit on our own. See, when I press into relationship with Jesus, he releases me to accomplish his work. It's when I start to press and I I start to to strive to, to press into the fruit side of the equation that I lose my connection to the vine. And I cannot accomplish my work because I'm living outside of my original design to abide. See, I was created, you and I, were created to, to abide and to remain and to stay connected in the vine. And it's through that connection that I can receive and you can receive every single thing that God has for us. In the vine, there's sap. And, and, and sap is, is amazing. The amazing thing about sap is it, it's designed to flow a certain direction. It comes from the vine to the branches and then to the fruit. That's the natural flow of sap, right? And flow matters. If you don't think flow matters, you've never lived in a house with a septic system. (laughs) I mean, things don't flow well. It's not good. And so, and, so, and so the flow is to press into Jesus. And Jesus says, listen, don't worry about the fruit. That's my responsibility. Press into the flow. Press into an abiding relationship with me in the vine. And the bearing of the fruit will be a natural occurrence as a result of that. See, when I press into Jesus, he releases me to come back and to do his work. And here's the irony, family. When I press into work, when I focus on exceeding the bar, I often don't even know that I've exceeded my limits. And what happens as a result of that is the pop and drop. Snap. Or maybe like that septic system, you just start to back up. Our culture has it backwards. We're taught to press in, into our work in and, and hopes that, that we'll have done enough so that we can afford to have a time of rest. The problem is the work is never done. So you work and you work and you work and you work, placing the focus on exceeding the bar. Snap. I don't know about you, man, but, you know, I've been tired lately. How many of you have been tired? Just tired. Just tired. Hmm. When I focus on work, the fruit isn't more rest. It's not more rest. Instead, it's often isolation, which leads to addictions, pornography, drugs, alcohol, illicit relationships, 
because it's often a retreat from work. It's an, it's an escape from work, an attempt to somehow rest from my work. I've seen it time and again as a pastor. Hmm. That said, I, I want to introduce you again or reintroduce you to something that I had said before. I believe that it's God's design for us to work from our rest instead of resting from our work. Trusting in him to get the work done through us as we work from our rest. I think Genesis chapter 1 gives us that concept. Remember I said in Genesis chapter 1, the Bible says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void. Darkness covered the face of the deep. At the end of each day, God QC'd his work, and at the end of each day, God said it was good. At the end of the sixth day, the Bible says that God had created man on the sixth day, and at the end of the sixth day, he said, mmm, now this is, this is very good. On the sixth day when God created man, he gave man four things, a work to do, a will to obey, a woman to love, and a world to serve. He gave man all those things to do. But watch this now. Don't miss this. The first thing that God did, the very first thing that God did was rest. And he set the precedence for us. The first thing that man saw God do was take a Sabbath. And rest. And we don't know how long God rests and set a day. It could be a thousand years. The Bible says a thousand years is one day. One day is that. Yeah. It could, it could be a long time. Is the point. But the first thing that man saw God do was rest. God introduced that into our relationship. Listen, God wants our lives to be fruitful, but fruitfulness begins with rest. You know, th that concept is common in, in Hebrew culture where, where, where they begin their day at the end of the day, at 6 o'clock in the evening with rest. And so I want you to consider this process, a life of working from your rest instead of resting from your work. And I believe that the result will be good fruit. So here's what we have. We have a, a branch that's producing much fruit, good fruit, and the father prunes that branch, cutting that productive branch back, pulling it back then after he, pr after he prunes it for a time of rest. And watch this now, recreation. Because that's what happens when you, when you prune a fruit it, or, or prune a branch. You give it an opportunity to recreate where you prune back, Right? Recreation, recreation, season of rest and recreation. Then out of the recreation comes growth. And as the pendulum swings to the fruit-bearing phase, there's this cycle of pruning and growth and pruning and rest. And I'll tell you something. In the pruning, we know this to be true, life can be difficult. Growth can be difficult in the pruning. But good fruit is produced. That's what happens in the pruning. The vine dresser leads us into a season of pruning and rest. Pruning and, and rest and abiding and, and pruning and, and much fruit and working. Pruning and rest and abiding and pruning and much fruit and rest and pruning and work. I mean, and abiding and rest and pruning and fruit. You with me? 
So what has God given us so we can practice pressing into his rest? I think he's given us established rhythms in creation. Winter, spring, summer, fall. He's given us seasons for everything. And and when we consciously enter the seasons of our life, as we observe the seasons, our lives are more effective and they're more balanced if we establish daily and weekly and monthly and yearly rhythms within those seasons. And so now, using the priorities of Jesus, using the three priorities of Jesus, the up, in, and out, I want to give you examples of what rhythms could possibly look like in your life. Let's talk about daily rhythms. A daily rhythm could include a time of of good sleep. And as you're sleeping, you're saying, God, I'm trusting in your provision. I'm trusting that you'll take care of me even when I'm asleep. I don't have to do anything to know that I I can trust you. It can include a, a time of prayer, enjoying a time of communion and fellowship with God. That's the up portion. In the end, uh, a daily priority could end up being eating a meal together. Maybe it's in covenant relationship with your family or covenant relationship with close friends. And, and the out could be, could be enjoying and celebrating the accomplishments of your work or taking time to play and enjoying recreation and leisure. That could be a daily priority, a daily rhythm. An example of a weekly rhythm could be a Sabbath. Choose a day to take a Sabbath where you do nothing but but play and rest and pray. That could be the up, and the end could be what we're doing today, a time of, of corporate prayer and praise and worship where we're in the presence of God together in the presence of each other. And then the out could simply be a a, a service project. Maybe you give your life away in the community where you're meeting the needs of others. A yearly rhythm could be something as simple as planning a vacation or two or planning a retreat where you get away and get alone with God. Or maybe you and your family, in addition to a vacation, plan a time where you can be on mission, do something that that involves outreach where you can be together and be a family on mission. And here's the point. The point is to value rest time of resting and trusting in him that needs to be if we're going to allow God to work in and through our lives. Now, I'll say this. To say that some of us might seem to think that, you know, working from our rest is impractical, I'd say that it is if we're trying to live our lives for ourselves. It's impractical because if we're trying to live lives that are self-centered, we will never tire of the endless work and effort that it takes to live that way. The constant drive to achieve through hard work and performance that may indeed, if we're not careful, end up in a life of fruitlessness and unrest. But the Lord wants something different from us, family. He wants a different life for us. And for anyone who will stop trying to live life on their own terms and simply realize that Jesus Christ offers us a different life and we're willing to receive it, this next section of Scripture in John provides for us 
an amazing promise. Verse 7. And Jose, you can bring your team up. Jesus says this, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, I will, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. And these things I've spoken to you, that my joy might be in you, and that your joy may be full. Enjoying a life that's full of the presence of God is totally dependent upon abiding in relationship with him. And so to close out today, I want to tell you, I want to remind you that God is always speaking to us. He's always speaking to us and, and inviting us to stop and discern what he may be saying about how to enter into his joy and to enter into his rest. And so today, over the next few minutes, I want you to take time to process what God may in this moment be saying to you. And then today, before you leave under the direction of the Holy Spirit, and I'm confident he'll give it to you, maybe he'll show you what you need to do about it. You can come into a decision of what it means to, to live a life that's in rhythm with working and resting and abiding and, 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 and having fruit be born as a result of your relationship with God. God wants that for us today. And so it might be a difficult place for you to start. You might not know where to start. You could start very easily by shutting your eyes and in this moment saying, Lord, what is it that you have for me? What does this amazing life of love and joy with you in relationship look like for me?